Our title this morning is, Are You Willing to Step Into God's Next Season? And over the last like weeks and months, I suppose we have been speaking about how God has more for us. And I think that's the message of EGALS, really. It's about knowing that God has always more. There's always more to press into. But when we, when we make the decision that we're going to step into God's next season, we need to be prepared to stand. We need to be prepared to take that step of faith and to step in knowing that we're going to stand, trusting in our God. And so I think that song is a prophetic song for us at the moment. It's a declaration of what we're saying to the Lord, that we're, we're saying, yes, Lord, we are ready to step forward. We are ready to take that stand, ready to take that place that you want us to move into. And we're going to look this morning at Genesis 46. This is verse 1, and this is immediately following uh, the news that, ha- that, the, that Jacob's sons had brought to him. They brought him the news that Joseph was alive, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to transport him from Israel up down into Egypt, it says his heart revived, and uh, in chapter uh, 46, verse 1, it says, So Israel took his journey with all that he had. And I just think it's really important for us to say right now, this morning, that Jacob made a decision that he was going to trust God. That he, it says, it says that he took all that he had. He made a decision to move forward. At 130 years old, he was ready to take the risk to move into something new. He was going to have to leave everything that was familiar to him behind. He was never going to come back to it. He was going to have to leave everything behind to take the risk to go down into a strange country where they spoke a different language with a different culture. And he was going to go down because he loved Joseph and because love will win the day. And he was ready to go. I love the song of Solomon. It says, love is as strong as death and many waters cannot quench love. I wonder, would the love of God compel you today? to take that step forward. I was really intrigued last week uh, thinking about that word compelled. It means get a grip off. And I wonder would God get a grip of you today to actually compel you, to pull you into the next season that he has for you. Because do you know what? There's something on, on all of us whereby we fear, we fear going further. We're always shrinking back instead of pressing forward. Would you agree with me? And God wants us to be bold and to step forward with confidence and with faith into the next season that he has for us. And so Jacob, Jacob was, he was motivated by the love that he had for his son. And we should be motivated by the love that God has for us. His love should compel us, should grab us and pull us into the next season that he has for us. It goes on to say in Genesis 46, Verse 1, it says, He took his journey with all that he had, and he came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. Then God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night, and Jacob said, and said to Jacob, eh, Jacob, Jacob, and he said, Here I am. So the Lord said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt. For I will make of you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt. And I will also surely bring you up again. And Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. What an amazing word that God gave to Jacob. 
You see, Beersheba had been a very significant place for his grandfather, right? Or grandfather Abraham. You can read lots about that in the earlier chapters of Genesis. It'd been spiritually significant. And it had been spiritually significant for Isaac, his father. But now it's going to be spiritually significant to him. And I suppose the thought of him going to uh, build an altar and to worship the Lord before he made the journey speaks to my heart. Because so often we're up and away and we're running on without actually going to check out, God, what are you saying about this? And, uh, you know, it's just so important to, to bring everything before the Lord. And it seems... It seems to me, from the answer, from the way that God spoke to Jacob, it seems to me that Jacob just had a wee apprehension, is this really okay? Like, I want to go and see Joseph. This is my desire, is to go to see Joseph. Lord, you know that, but is this really you? Is this what you really want me to do? I'm guessing that because the Lord spoke to him to relieve his fears, and here's what God said, do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make of you a great nation. See, God wouldn't have said don't fear to go down if there hadn't been some wee niggling fear. Maybe it's not right for me to go down. Would you agree? And you know, God wants to direct you and me just as clearly as that in all of our dealings. And he gave this wonderful promise to him. He said, I will go down with you to Egypt and I will surely also bring you up again. So he was promising him that he would be with him and he would be with him in his going out and his coming back. And then he gave this wonderful promise. He said, Joseph will surely put his hand on your eyes. What does that mean? It means that at the time of his death, that God was promising it would be Joseph who would close his eyes. That's the meaning in the Hebrew, that Joseph would be the one to close his eyes after he passed away. I just love the way God confirms things to us in the changing seasons of our lives and so often we need a word from God to give us a sense of peace about stepping out isn't that right we we, we do need we do need to have a, a word from God that will give us peace you know I I was concerned even a few weeks ago it, we're taking this group to Israel and I got real sort of anxiety coming up Lord do you really want us to go and I was really praying about it and this thought oh is something awful going to happen why am I feeling uneasy and I really cried out to God and I said God I, you know I just I want to obey you and, and I would love a word from you and I woke up in the morning and this these verses came to mind and I went and read them and I just felt like God said don't be afraid for I be with you as you go out and as you come back See, I got that word from God, so my heart's at ease now. And God can give you a word about a specific thing that will just give you peace. And it's so important to seek him and to ask him. Uh, I love what it says in Psalm 32. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. And then it goes on to say, don't be like the horse or the mule that has to be reined in with a bridle. You know, so often there's something about us that's a bit mulish. Wouldn't you agree? Isn't there a bit of a stubbornness about a lot of us? And we want to just do it our way. And God says, just come and ask me. And I'll reassure you and I'll guide you. And i just guide you with my eye. He doesn't have to guide us, pull us in with a bit or a bridle. He, just with his eye, in a gentle, beautiful way, he can make the path known to us. I love Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And then Isaiah 30, verse 21, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. 
You know, there might be some of you here today, I had this thought this morning, there could be some of you in here today and you feel that maybe way back in your life somewhere, you made a wrong choice. That you made a wrong move and because of that now everything's out of kilter and now, you, can, you know, everything's going to go wrong. I want to reassure you that's not the case. Way back in the 90s, I was in a very difficult situation and I realised uh, that I had made a very big mistake and in the midst of that I was in, a, I was in the pits and I remember reading these verses and they meant so much to me from Isaiah 30. You shall weep no more. He will be very gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. And though the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teachers will not be moved into a corner anymore, but your eyes will see your teachers and your ear, ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it, whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. See, I was afraid I'd made a mistake that was going to completely destroy the rest of my days, but the Lord assured me that even though the choice I had made was going to bring some adversity and affliction, that God was going to use it and actually turn the affliction around into my teachers. And if you're going through something and, and the enemy's telling you you made a bad mistake and now you're doomed and you're going to have to live with the consequences of this, believe you me, we have a God who can turn around our worst mistakes and turn them around into good and actually use them to teach us and train us and bring us back into his purposes. I don't know about you, but that, that makes me feel like jumping up and down. Isn't that exciting that we have a God, even if we do go off, that at any point when we come back to him and say, God, I'm sorry I made a mistake, he knows how to weave it all back in again and bring us back into line with his purposes for our lives. I just love the way he does that. And so we have a God who can guide us with his eye. And he was, he was really reassuring Jacob, it's okay. It's okay to make this trip. I'm going to be with you as you go down into Egypt. And then it says in Genesis 46 verse 5, Then Jacob arose from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried their father Jacob, their little ones and their wives in the carts which Pharaoh had sent to carry them. Isn't it amazing that a Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, sent up the carts, or if you like, the wagons, to transport Joseph's family and to bring his family down. I'll tell you, we have a God. We have a God who can supply every need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. He can even use the heathen, people who don't even know him, to, to meet our needs. He's just amazing. And you see, Jacob was going to step out. He was going to step into a new season. And I believe that's what God is challenging many of you here. That God doesn't want things to remain the way they've been. It's time to step into a new season of belief, a new season of going on to a greater level with him. God has more for you. He doesn't want, he doesn't want the past to dictate your future. He's saying, get, get, go off the past. Step into the future that I have for you. I've got new things for you. Are you ready for the new thing? Are you ready for the new season? And I believe God wants us to do that. And you know, we've got to make a decision in the same way that Jacob made a decision he was going to go. Then we've got to check out, God, is this the way you want me to go? Yes. And once we know that, it's no good knowing it in our head. We have to arise. That conference that we're speaking at on the 3rd and 4th of June in Port Stewart, it's called Arise. And that excites me because there's a time for us to actually implement what we know intellectually and what we've said to God. We, we're trusting you, God. But there's a time to arise and actually step forward. 
Prove it. Step into it. And, and prove that God will be there and God will take you through. And so it tells us, if we look on down to Genesis 46 and go right down to um, verse 26, verse 26 tells us that there were 70 people all together at that time in Jacob's family. Uh, there were 66, it says, along with Jacob, that was 67. Then there was Joseph, who was already in Egypt, that was 68. And then there was his two sons, that was 70. So there were 70 of them all together. And it tells us in verse 28 that Jacob sent Judah before him to Joseph to point out before him the way to Goshen. And they came to the land of Goshen. I just felt there was something about this that I wanted to say to you today. Because we need to remind ourselves that Goshen was the best land in Egypt. Pharaoh had said he would give Jacob's family the best of the land. Goshen was the place where there was plenty of good food for their flocks, for their, their sheep and their cattle. Goshen was the place they were going to. And you've got to remember that Judah was the son who had first suggested that they sell, that they sell Joseph to the Ishmaelites. Now, it just amazes me that God had done such a beautiful work in Judah. It amazes me that Jacob is now giving the responsibility for their destiny into the hands of Judah. It's not the kind of God that we have. We think we have blown it. And what does he do? He actually gives us responsibility. He actually entrusts us to do stuff that's quite important. And it was important that Judah would point the way to Goshen. And Judah means praise. And I think there's a lesson in this for us. Because you know what? If we want to get to the destiny that God has for us, then praise points the way. And I believe it's so important if we want to fulfill the plans that God has for us, we need to live a life of praise, not a life of grumbling. I, I meet so many people and they're grumbling about this and grumbling about that and there's no sense of thanksgiving or praise in them. And that is not pleasing to God. It pleases God when we praise him, even whenever it's a sacrifice of praise, whenever it doesn't look like there's much to praise him about. And I'm learning to praise him and to give thanks to him, even for the stuff I don't like. And there's something about that that actually works a miracle inside and, and actually makes us feel better inside when we choose to praise him and choose to thank him even whenever things aren't going the way we thought they would go. I just love the fact that it was Judah who pointed the way and I've just put a wee reference in there Psalm 107 verse 30 because it says there it talks about how God wants to guide us to our desired haven. You see God knows the desires of your heart. And you know what? He just loves. If, if, if you trust him and if you want, if you want to please him, if you, want to, if you want to do things the way he wants them done, if you trust him that he knows best, if you make your desires his desires, you will receive the desires of your heart. I believe that's a big key to actually enjoying everyday life is to praise God and thank him and trust him. Psalm 34 verse 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. We need to be constantly praising God for everything that happens. There's a wee man that I know of in a skill, and he's got, uh, 
he's got Alzheimer's and I was up at a meeting uh, during the week last Saturday and you know he uh, although he, though he's Alzheimer's he's, when you prompt him and you know get him in the right he, he still he'd do the announcements at the speed meeting I was at and whatever just a wee man I've known like from I was in the twenties, a man I've just the most utmost respect for and you know he's Alzheimer's and you know he stood at the front and he gave the announcements and he said and we're going to be in glory with Jesus. And he jumped about two feet off the ground. <laughs> and he says, and it's going to be great. And he let a big jump out of him. And I just thought, good man, Francis. You're still praising the Lord. Isn't it just amazing that we can praise him in all things. That God wants us to be a people that are full of praise. And Judah, Judah was from the tribe of Judah that Jesus came. Praise. Let's be a people of praise. And praise changes things. When we praise God, it breaks through the enemy's plans. God wants us to be full of praise, not just for his glory, but for our own sake, to break through the stuff that the enemy would barricade against us. And so it says in chapter 46 of Genesis, verse 29, So Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel. And he presented himself to him and fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. And Israel said to Joseph, or Jacob said to Joseph, Now let me die since I have seen your face because you're still alive. I want to take a moment or two at this. Can you imagine the emotions that were running running high in this reunion. Can you imagine Joseph looking every day to see any sign of those carts, those wagons coming? And he sees them coming in the distance. And he, maybe from the distance, maybe he can see uh, Judah is pointing the way to go to the land of Goshen. And he gets into his chariot. Can you imagine the emotions that went through Joseph as he got into the chariot, as he was going to show his father his glory in Egypt? that God had taken care of him, that God had taken him out of prison, that God has exalted him and given him a place to rule all of Egypt, that he was now the prime minister of Egypt. Can you imagine the emotions that hit through Joseph's heart as he got into that chariot? Not an old cart, but a chariot. The second chariot in all the land next to Pharaoh's. Can you imagine what he felt like? And how he remembered the faithfulness of God and remembered how God had proven that his dreams, the word of the Lord had come to pass. Can you imagine what Joseph felt when he got into that chariot and rode to meet his old dad at 130 years old? Can you imagine it? Can you imagine Jacob's heart when he saw the chariot coming in the distance? And he could give praise and think, God, you've brought my son back to me. And it says that, jo that Joseph fell on his neck and wept a long time on his neck. It says everything, doesn't it? These two men who loved each other, father and son, separated for all that time. You know, it reminds me of the, the return of Jesus to heaven. After he left heaven and came down to this earth, paid the price for our sins, went to Calvary, suffered all of that pain for our sins, went down to hell, and when God had to turn away from him, it reminds me, what must the reunion have been like in heaven when Jesus came in through that door with a trail of victory? It's finished, the job's done. Can you imagine all heaven and the cheering and the shouting and the praising and the anthems of the angels? Can you imagine what it was like? And you know what? We're going to join them one day. We're going to join them one day. Listen, we have, we're on the winning side. We have a God who is victorious. 
And so we see that there's this great emotional reunion. And then after this, it says, and actually I have to just mention this. Did you notice that in the midst of it, Jacob says, now he says, you can let me die. I've seen your face. I've seen your face. That's all I need. But you know, God had far more for him than that. God was going to give him 17 years more. I tell you what, we have a generous God. You know what? He'll give you more than you expect. Let's not be so, let's not be so afraid. Let's not, let's not come to our Father as though he were a stingy God. Listen, he's a God who loves to pour out blessing upon you. He's a God who wants to open his hand in blessing. There's nothing stingy about our God. He's a good God. And he wants to, as the Bible says, that no good thing will be withhold from those who walk uprightly. God loves you. And God wants you to know that he wants to bless you and to look after you. And then it tells us in chapter 47 that Joseph went and told Pharaoh that his father and his brothers had come to Egypt. I love this part of the story as well, where Jacob uh, arrives to see Pharaoh. I love this, this bit where this old patriarch uh, comes in to, uh, to speak with Pharaoh. Let's just look at verse, chapter 47, verses 1 to 12. We'll go down to um, verse 7. Then Joseph brought in his father Jacob and set him before Pharaoh. Did Pharaoh bless Jacob? No, it says Jacob blessed Pharaoh. You see, this old man with all his failures and all his twistedness and all the mistakes of his youth and all the different twists and turns in his life, do you know what? He was carrying blessings that the king of Egypt knew nothing about. Listen, you're carrying blessings that this world doesn't understand. And I believe that we need to rise up as a people and we need to realise that we have been blessed to be a blessing. We're, you're carrying blessings. And I believe at every opportunity we should, be, we should be saying, can I pray for you? Can I bless you? I believe we should be ready to put our hands on, on the people around us, those who know the Lord and those who don't. Because listen, you're carrying blessings. You need to know what you carry. God has blessed you to be a blessing. Whenever we were in Israel last year, our, our, our guide was uh, Dr. Um, Halvor Ronnie. He was 79 the day we arrived and he was full of it, wasn't he? He was, he was jumping in more than we couldn't keep up with a man. But he was just amazing and he spoke a lot, he referred to this a lot about how in, uh, whenever God first blessed Abraham, he said he would bless him to be a blessing. And we are blessed by God to be a blessing to the people around us. And we need to know what we're carrying and we need to be ready to bless those around us and to uh, let that blessing be poured out in others. Ezekiel 34, I love this verse. It says, I will make them, I will make, I'm hardly reading my own writing, I will make them and the places all around them my hill of blessing. And I will cause showers to come down in their season. There shall be showers of blessings. Listen, how often do we stop and just say, Lord, just pour your blessings over me? How often do we actually take a moment? just to receive fresh intake, fresh intake every day, that we might be filled, that we can give out. 
Listen, God wants you and me to be so full of blessings that they're just pouring out all around us. I often talk about the overflow of blessings. I believe God wants us to be so full of his blessings that there's just an overflow going out. That it's just automatic. People pick up a blessing with their daily encounter from us. Wouldn't that be amazing that we could see that in our lives on a daily basis? That's the way God wants us to live. God wants us to live blessed to be blessed to be a blessing. And you see... Hebrews 7 verse 7 tells us that there's no contradiction at all. It says the lesser is always blessed by the greater. So in God's eyes, Jacob was a much more important man than Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. You see, we look at earthly uh, promotions. We look at the earthly strata of who's important and who isn't. But God looks in a different, totally different way than you and I do. And the people that we think are important often aren't the people that God counts to be important at all. God looks at you and you're the apple of his eye. And you need to know that he wants to. He wants to pour such blessings into your life that you're unable to contain them. God wants you to be blessed and he wants those blessings to go out to those people around you. I just think it's so important that we know that God is a God who is our sun and shield. He's the Lord who will give grace and glory and no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So let's continue on with this story because there's a few more things that are important for us to look at. Genesis 47. I'm skipping down a wee bit because uh, we have to... This is, do you know this is our penultimate meeting? Next week is the end of this season and next week we will have opportunities for you to come and testify as to what God's been doing in your life over this season. And I hope you come prepared to do that. But today, I, I, I just realise we need to kind of press through and then I close it up next week. But I really feel it's important for us to look at these next uh, few things uh, this week. So Genesis 47, verse 27. And here's what it says. So Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt in the country of Goshen. And they had possessions there and grew and multiplied exceedingly. 17 years he had in the land of Goshen. 17 years to multiply and to see his family being blessed. And it says, Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the length of Jacob's life was 147 years. And when the time drew near that, that he must die, often in the, these last um, these last uh, years of his life instead of being referred to as Jacob he is often referred to as Israel because if you remember God had changed his name to Israel which means prince with God now that kind of tells me that towards the end of his life that he was stepping into his true identity as a prince not a twister but a prince and you see, whatever your name is, your earthly name, it might, I don't know what it might mean, but it mightn't, it, mightn't, it mightn't mean that much. But God names you as his own, and God has a destiny over you, and he wants you to step into your true identity, the identity that he has given you, not your natural identity, but the supernatural one. And I believe that the reason that, that he's referred to so often as Israel in these latter days is because he was beginning to act like a prince. He's beginning to step into his true identity. And so we see that in these latter days, he's coming near the end of his life. And it says, 
So he called his son Joseph and said, Now if I have found favour in your sight, please put your hand under my thigh and deal kindly and truly with me. Please do not bury me in Egypt, but let me lie with my fathers. You shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial place. And Joseph said, I will do as you have said. I just put a wee heading here. Jacob was concerned about his bones. It's good to be concerned about your bones, isn't it? <laughs> so often the Bible talks about health to your bones. I claim that over my own bones. Health to your bones. Now, I wonder if this wasn't... Remember, God had spoken to Jacob way back in Beersheba. Whenever he asked, was it okay to go down to Egypt? And God had said, I'll be with you and I will take you down and I will bring you back. I believe he wanted, he wanted his bones to come back in fulfilment of what God had promised him. But I think there's more to it than that. I think this was a prophetic act. Because away, way back uh, in Genesis 15, God had promised Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, he had promised him that the children of Israel would be taken into a strange land, but that they would come out of it again after 400 years. And that was the Exodus. And so there was a prophetic word that all of Israel, all of the children of Israel would come up out of Egypt. And I wonder if this wasn't almost like a prophetic act when they brought the bones up that 400 years later all of them would come up. They weren't going to stay down there. And if you're in a place today and you feel that you're kind of in the pits, that you're maybe in a, like a sort of a spirit of Egypt where you feel you're, you know, you're, you're, you're maybe not where you think you should be, I want you to know that God will not always keep you there. God's plan is always to bring you through, always to bring you into the fullness of his plan. They, they were in Egypt and there, were, there was going to be a time of great suffering. Remember the time whenever the, the Moses came and had to take them out of all that suffering with the taskmasters and all in the book of Exodus? Yes, that was going to come, but God was going to take them out. And I have this sense that Joseph's bones being, or Jacob's bones being taken up with like a prophetic picture that all of Israel would come out, out of the land of Egypt. And so uh, Joseph promised that, and in fact we'll see next week that Joseph's bones also came out of Egypt. And then I want to get to this next bit because this is, this is important. Genesis 48 it says, Now it came to pass after these things that Joseph was told, Indeed, your father is sick. And so Joseph took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And Jacob was told, Look, your son Joseph is coming to you. And Israel, you see the, the name here, Jacob was told, But Israel, the prince, he strengthened himself and sat up on the bed. Can't you just see this old man, 147 years old? He knows that he's going to, he knows he's going to die very shortly. And Joseph's been called because it's time now for this old man to pass on the blessings to Joseph and his family. And can you see him lying in the bed? I can just see him lying back and he's, he's like lying, he's like all out, you know, he's done for. And then he hears Joseph's coming and he gets himself steady. He's a prince after all. And he gets himself steady and strengthens himself and sits up with dignity on the bed. Isn't there something about being strengthened in the Lord? Isn't there something about walking before this world with dignity? And he sets himself up on the bed. He's getting ready to give the blessings. And it says, uh, And Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Bethel. It might say Luz in your Bible. That's another name for Bethel. 
God Almighty appeared to me at Bethel in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you and I will make of you a multitude of people and give this land to your descendants after you as a never lasting possession. I think that's a very, very powerful verse that God was going, God had promised to make him fruitful and here he is, this old man, this old patriarch and he is remembering that God had blessed him. He's remembering God's blessings. And verse 5, he says, and now he's speaking to Joseph, your two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born to you in the land of Egypt, before I came to you in Egypt, they're mine as Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. And your offspring whom you beget after them shall be yours. They will be called by the name of their brothers in their inheritance. So Jacob is remembering that he was blessed and he's remembering that it was the Lord Almighty who appeared to him. He was remembering that incident. Do you remember whenever he was on the run? Do you remember after he had tricked his brother and he was on the run and do you remember he laid down on the stones for his pillow and he had the dream of the ladder to heaven? That's what he was remembering. Key events in his life. I'll tell you something, for all of us, there are key spiritual events that we will never forget. Would you agree with me? Times when God spoke to you, times when God strengthened you, times whenever you knew that you'd had an encounter with God. It's good to remember those times. And as an old man of 147 years old, he is remembering that the Lord Almighty appeared to him and blessed him and had promised that he would would, uh, multiply him. And he's now saying to Joseph, not only did God bless me, but he's going to bless your boys. He's saying to Joseph, you're not going to miss out on the blessing and your sons are not going to miss out on the blessing. And then just look at verse 11. I love this verse. It says, And Israel said to Joseph, I had not thought to see your face, but in fact God has also shown me your offspring. He's remembering the blessings, the time that God met with him, the time that God blessed him. And he's remembering that God blessed him so much that not only did he see Joseph's face, but God actually showed him his grandchildren, showed him Joseph's boys. He's overcome with the blessings of God. I wonder, do you and I take time to thank God for his many blessings? You know, there's so many things that God has blessed us with and we don't even recognise them. We just take them for granted. This old man, as he was approaching death, he's remembering the blessings of God. He's remembering that God blessed him all over again in his latter days by, by, by giving him what he never thought he would receive, by giving him Joseph and Joseph's boys. I wonder if there's something that you, that, that you would long for, but you, you wouldn't even dare ask God for it. Do you know, I believe God wants to surprise you with his goodness. I believe God wants to give you more than you would even ask for even give you more than you would even ask or think. And so uh, he's remembering the blessings. And then if we go to uh, Genesis 48 uh, verse 7, we see that um, he is, he's remembering the hard times, the heartache as well. He says, but as for me, when I came from Padan, Rachel died beside me in the land of Canaan on the way when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath or Bethlehem. And I buried her there on the way. 
to, on the way to Bethlehem. You know, when I thought about this, I thought as we approach, as we approach death, and as Jacob was approaching death, he was remembering the blessings, but he was also remembering the heartaches. You know, there's heartaches that we all uh, will carry with us throughout our days. There's, there's heartaches, there's things that have been happen- that, that have happened in our lives that cause us pain that we, we, don't, we don't forget. And, and, and I think of this old man, you see, remember when he was young, remember how much he loved Rachel. Like, he was the son of Rachel, he absolutely loved the bones of her. And, and when she had her, coming to have her second child, remember how they were travelling and along the side of the road, just a short distance from Bethlehem. Remember she gave birth on the side of the road and she died. And you know, it's like, even as an old man of 147 years old, it's like that memory of losing Rachel is as strong today as it was back then. It's like he's going over it and he's saying, you know, Rachel died and, and it's almost like he's saying, can't believe it, she died beside me on the road. Just, 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 just before we got to Bethlehem, it's almost like he said, if only we'd managed to make it to Bethlehem, maybe she wouldn't have died. And you, you can go, you can go to, last year we were in Israel, and you can see the, the, the sign up for Rachel's, Rachel's tomb. Just the same place, just before you go into Bethlehem. It's amazing, isn't it? And you know, there's things that you and I will remember. But you know, as he remembered this, it's like, it's like, yes, he remembered, but he was still wanting to bless. Because it was okay to remember the past, but he knew that God had blessed him, and he still had blessings to give. And you know, I think there's no harm in us remembering the hard times, but you know, it's good to bless God that he took us through those hard times, and that he turned them around for good. God can turn even the hardest of times around for good. I was talking to a friend last Saturday up in Inniskillen, and she said to me, you know, she says, she says, I was just looking at you, and she said, and I was remembering way back, I remember a picture of you sitting in absolute tears, totally distraught. And she said, and I just thought, wasn't that amazing what God has done? She looked at me and she said, Maureen, I'm amazed at what God has done. I just thought, yeah, I was a wreck. Yeah. Maybe there's some of you in here today and you feel like you're a wreck. I was a total wreck. <laughs> I was. If you'd have seen me way back in the 90s, you wouldn't have given much for me. I'm telling you. I was in a bad place. In a whole lot of different levels. But you know what? God can turn it around for good. And you know what? I can look back and I can praise him and thank him. Even for the hard days. Because if I hadn't gone through the bread of adversity and the affliction, do you know what? I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. And God wants to turn the things that are hard for you around into a training ground to bring you up to your full potential, to use you and train you and send you out there to do all that he has called for you to do. God wants you to be a blessing. And we've been looking over this past weeks at a few things that need to happen. We need to put our trust in God. We need to forgive those that have trespassed against us. We need to let go of that stuff. And we need to step out in faith step over the line and say, God, I am going to trust you with everything. And so this old man is getting things into position and he's remembering about Rachel. And then it says, Israel or Jacob saw Joseph's sons and he said, who are these? Remember this old man was quite blind by now. And Joseph said to his father, these are my sons whom God has given me in this place. 
And Jacob said, Please bring them to me, and I will bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age, so that he could not see. And Joseph brought the boys near him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I had not thought to see your face, but in fact God has also shown me your offspring. So Joseph brought them from beside his knees, and he bowed down with his face to the earth. And Joseph took both his boys, Ephraim with his right hand towards Israel's left hand, and Manasseh with his left hand towards Israel's right hand, and brought them near him. Then Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on Ephraim's head. Now, I just want you to get the picture in this. Jacob's old, he can't see very well. He's asking for these boys to be brought close so he can bless them. Joseph, knowing that Manasseh is the oldest child, brings him up to Jacob's right hand and he brings Ephraim, the second born, up to his left hand. And he's getting ready for Jacob to bless these boys. And I put a heading on your notes and I said, Approaching death, Jacob blessed intentionally. This wasn't an automatic thing. It wasn't like, just, just do it. God was guiding this old man in relation to the blessing. And when you're blessing people, God will prompt you and even give you words for people that will be specific for them. You need to know that. It's not a random thing, oh, God blesses everybody. No, God's a, a God who's intentional. God's a God of the moment. And God will give you words. He'd prompt you to give you verses to give to people. He will, if you ask him by his Holy Spirit, he will prompt you to speak specifically and intentionally into people's lives. That is so exciting to be, to be able to see God doing that in your life. And you see, he gets these two boys into position and it says... So Jacob laid his hand on Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, guiding his hands knowingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn, and he blessed Joseph. I want to stop there for a minute. Here's what happened. Instead of Manasseh putting, instead of Jacob putting his right hand on Manasseh's head, and his left hand on Ephraim's head, this old man who couldn't see, he's feeling these boys, and he crosses his left hand over to Manasseh and he puts the right hand, which was the hand to bless the first blessing, the most anointed blessing, he crosses his hands over and he puts his right hand intentionally on the head of Ephraim. See, God's omnipotent and he's sovereign. And sometimes we get confused and we think, well, if God's sovereign, does that mean then that we have no say in anything, that, that he just, everything just happens? And No, God's, God being sovereign knowing exactly what's going to happen, God being sovereign and having his will coming to pass runs parallel to God's, our free will. We have a free will and he's sovereign and they're both, it's a miracle, but I don't, can't explain it, but they're both true. And you know what? God, God was putting a greater blessing on Ephraim. Do you know what was going to happen to Ephraim? Ephraim was going to be the tribe. In fact, the whole northern kingdom would be known by the name of Ephraim. Do you know that Joshua from the tribe of Ephraim. It was Joshua who led the people into the promised land. Manasseh, the half-tribe of Manasseh stayed behind and didn't even enter into the promised land. God knew what was up ahead. He knew who was going to step out and trust him and go ahead. And he knows who won't. And you know what? We have a, we have a say in that. We are not just little robots. We have a free will. But God, God knows what's happening. 
And I just want to encourage you today to know that God's hand of blessing is on you. God wants you to have the greater portion. God wants you to move into all that he has for you. And, and Joseph wasn't that pleased, it says here, verse 17. Now, when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. So he took hold of his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head and put it onto Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, Not so, my father, for this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. You just see, it's not typical of us. We know better. Oh, no, no, you got that wrong. No, no. But look what, it, look what Jacob said. I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. But truly his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day. I'll tell you, we have a God who is intentional. We have a God who knows if you're going to catch what he says and step out on it. Listen, don't miss it today. Let's, let's believe. Let's get ready to walk into and to claim all that he has for us. And then just as we come to the end of this today, let's just read these last few verses. So we blessed them that day, saying, By you Israel will bless, saying, may, may God make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And thus he set Ephraim before Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I am dying, but God will be with you and bring you back to the land of your fathers. Do you see the promise? God will be with you and bring you back to the land of your fathers. Moreover, said Jacob, I have given to you, this is to Joseph, one portion above your brothers, which I took from the hand of the Amorite with my sword and my bow. What was the one portion that he gave? What was the extra thing he gave to Joseph? If you want to, you can turn over to John's Gospel, chapter 4. And if you want to listen, that's okay as well. But it says in John, chapter 4, that Jesus needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Isn't that amazing that Jesus, all those thousands of years later, would make his way specifically to the very place that Jacob had given to Joseph. Isn't it amazing that he, that he, he went specifically to meet with a sinful woman at that very place, so that through that woman, who we would have tossed her aside and thought, you're never going to use her, are you? Through that woman that had gone off course, that had all those husbands and real mess in her life, through that particular woman, that that whole area would have a revival. And that God would bless that area. I'll tell you, God does not forget. And even after you and I have long gone, he's still carrying out his plans down the generational lines. Right down, his, his blessings continue. If we could just shake ourselves, I had this thought in the prayer meeting this morning, if we could shake ourselves out of complacency and into a place of expectancy where we realise that God answers specifically and intentionally and that God knows what he's doing in your life and no matter what the mix-up is, that he still knows how to work it for good. All he wants you to say is, here I am, Lord, just keep me clean. Help me to keep making right choices. Make today exciting between you and me. Every day is meant to be an exciting relationship between him and you. There's things for you to say to him and there's things for him to say to you. And you know what, he'll give you a little, sometimes you might feel I'm going through today and there's not much today. That's okay, just keep going, just keep trusting. And it's my experience and we pray for him, then we get, oh, we get such a touch from him again. It'll keep us going for days. 
God wants us to know reality of a relationship between heaven and earth. God wants us to see his kingdom come. God wants us to know he is the king of kings and we belong to his kingdom. We're his girls. We belong to him. He loves us passionately. And he wants to see us standing up and rising up like Jacob to be. He was the prince. He wants you to rise up like a princess. He wants you to walk in your true identity as his princess. That's who you are. You are the bride, the bride of Christ. And you're being prepared to rule with him and to reign with him. God, you have a great future. And yet so often our heads are hanging down and we're so dismal and we think all the world's against us. And all the time God says, you know what, no matter how bad it is, I lift you up and I'll take you through. And I'll work it together for good. Just keep trusting me. Lord, I thank you that we can trust you. And I thank you as we make decisions today that we're going to step forward with you. And I believe that there are many here today, Lord, who want to make a decision. I believe there are many today, Lord, who are making a decision that they're going to step forward and going to stand for you and going to, going to believe you and trust you for every situation. And they're going to move, Lord, into that place of receiving more and more blessings from you and pouring them out to the people around them. Lord, help us to be a woman, to be women, Lord, who will step up into our true identity as your daughters and to walk in that true identity of being princesses, even in this world that is in such a bad state. Thank you, God, that we carry your light. Thank you, God, that we carry your blessings, that, Lord, we are carriers of blessings from heaven. We thank you for that, Father, and help us as we sing this song that we might choose to stand for you. I just really feel today, I, I, I'm hesitant about asking any of you to stand up um, as, a, as a sign of making a, a movement. I don't want to do that in a sense. But I really believe as we get up to sing this song, I'd love to think that every one of you would, would as you rise up to sing this song, that you might actually make it a declaration to say, I'm going to stand for God. I'm going to stand and trust him in my present situation and I'm going to trust him for the future and I'm going to trust him for my friends and my relatives and my loved ones I'm going to trust him for everything I'm going to give him my all that's the best and safest place for you and me to be I will stand we're going to stand now and we'll just sing this song